begin sort of a new series for us. Uh, we uh, haven't done a whole lot on Ezekiel. I, one of my favorite things back years ago when I was at Curlie, whenever I would plan my lessons, one of my favorite sources of material was the old Gospel Advocate lesson commentaries. And they would do one for each year and it would have the uh, all four quarters of the year that have commentary for the whole lessons. And I would go through those and I uh, had a friend of mine that gave me a, a handful of them and so I got to go through one of them from back in the 60s. And so a lot of my material for the next few weeks at least on Sunday mornings will come from those lessons. But I want to begin looking at Ezekiel because we don't often use Ezekiel as example. We don't often use lessons from Ezekiel. Most people will look at the book and think, well, it's just a very difficult book to understand, and it is. Uh, as we look at, at the Bible overall, I would say that Ezekiel and Revelation are probably the two most difficult books to understand. And so both of those are, are very in-depth studies. Now, I've done a class on Ezekiel before. Uh, it took a long time. Uh, but there are some basic things that we find in Ezekiel that we can understand. And that's the endeavor of these lessons is just to look at Ezekiel from a different angle and to understand that there are some things that we can learn from not only the book, but from the man, from the prophet Ezekiel. Today's lesson is, is a beginning lesson. We're looking at Ezekiel's call, his call to ministry, the, the call of service. And we're also going to look at how this is encouragement for the preacher. Before we really look at Ezekiel, I think it's, it's worthy that we... We look at what we do know about Ezekiel. There's a lot that we don't know. But there are some things that we do know. First of all, Ezekiel was a priest ministering to Jewish exiles in the final days of the southern kingdom of Judah. And on into their captivity in Babylon. And so much of what we read from Ezekiel uh, is from that captivity. And the dates for that are somewhere around 593 to 571 B.C. It is believed that he may have been a child at the time of Josiah's great reformation in Judah. At the rediscovery of the law, he may have been familiar with that and he may have been aware of Josiah's death. During the reign of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, Judah, Ezekiel and many others were taken into captivity and that's where the book begins. Ezekiel chapter 1 beginning with verse 1. Now it came to pass in the 30th year in the fourth month on the fifth day of the month as I was among the captives by the river Shabar that the heavens were opened and I, I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzai, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Shabar. And the hand of the Lord was upon him there. 
So we see that Ezekiel is among the captives taken into Babylonian captivity. The series of, of lessons, the lessons that we're going to look at in the next few weeks are but a very small portion of what is to be found in the book of Ezekiel. Many of the prophecies given to Judah through him are, are difficult to understand and, and we're not going to spend a great deal of time looking at, at any number of those. Uh, but we're just going to pick out some of the highlights of the book of Ezekiel. Some of the things that, that we can learn from. Some of the basics uh, of the lessons that we can learn from. And the one thing that, that I want us to understand as we, we study these things. The point of this series is to show that though we have difficulty understanding much of the book. That there are some basic lessons that can be learned from these writings. And Ezekiel does not have to be ignored by today's Christian. You know, so many times we, we find things that are difficult to understand and, and we pass over them. And, and maybe we just read right through them and, and we just don't even try because of their difficulty. There are lessons to be learned from Ezekiel. There are lessons to be learned from the other prophets that we read about in the Old Testament. There, there are lessons to be learned from the examples that are given in Scripture. They're not just given just so that we can have difficulty with them, but they're given for our learning. And we as Christians have a responsibility in our learning from them. I'll give you one lesson objective for today that we learn from Ezekiel's call to service as a prophet how we are to serve as ministers of God today. If you haven't already, I would encourage you to turn with me to the book of Ezekiel and most of our lesson is going to be from chapters 1 through 3. But we begin with Ezekiel's call to ministry. Ezekiel's call to ministry. We begin with his prophetic call and commission. As we read of, of his call to ministry, this follows the vision of chapter 1. The vision of the four living creatures. And we'll look at that in a moment. But let's begin reading at Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 28. Ezekiel 1 and the end of verse 28. So when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard a voice of one speaking. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak to you. Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me, and set me on my feet, and I heard him who spoke to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. For they are impudent and stubborn children. I am sending you to, to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, As for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. This follows the vision of the, the four cherubim, the four wheels, 
and the divine glory. In experiencing the reality of God, Ezekiel was fully aware of the source of the visions. There is much debate as to the meaning of the four cherubim and, and the four wheels. There's not much to be debated or to be debated in regard to the divine glory. He recognized that this vision was from God. Ezekiel was to become a prophet carrying the message of God to a people who had long forgotten him or else had refused him. And these visions were preparing Ezekiel to receive and to present the message of God to what was left of Israel. I want you to notice here in these verses the usage of Son of Man. We go back to chapter 2 verse 1. And he said to me, Son of Man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. In verse 3, and he said to me, Son of Man, I am sending you to the children of Israel to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. Ezekiel is referred to as son of man. A reference given to him more than 90 times in the book of Ezekiel. The meaning of Son of Man. It seems to be used in such a way as to humble Ezekiel. As it was used in other cases in the Old Testament. The book of Daniel, for instance. Let's look at the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 8 and verse 17. So he came near where I stood... And when he came, I was afraid and fell on my face. But he said to me, Understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. It seems to be a reference again of humility, a way of humbling Ezekiel before he begins his service to God in this way. Before he could serve God, he needed to recognize his relation to God. God, his creator. And he being the creation. A son of man is used elsewhere in scripture. And the way that we would recognize it mostly today is in reference to Jesus as a son of man. But we also recognize him as a son of God. And in that way, it's used a little differently in the New Testament. But whenever someone is referred to as Son of Man, at least in regard to the Old Testament or to any other servant of God, it's used in such a way as a reminder of humility. And Ezekiel certainly was reminded to be humble. He was reminded of where he stood in his relationship with God. As we move on in Ezekiel chapter 2, we get to verses 6 and 7. And here he is given caution and encouragement. 
And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions, do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. You shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are rebellious. Ezekiel was told from the very beginning that what he was about to do was not going to be easy. He was told that he was going to face difficulty. He was going to face hardship. Many of the things that, that he lived and experienced uh, Ezekiel is in the same example as maybe Hosea where they had to live out what they were speaking to the people. And Ezekiel did that very thing and God told him from the beginning that what he was going to do was not going to be easy, that he was going to face great hardship and there were going to be many who would not believe him. There were going to be many that would not believe his message. And regardless of how he was received, Ezekiel was called to faithfulness. Ezekiel was called to faithfulness. And we come to Ezekiel chapter 2 and verse 8. And we read of the equipping of Ezekiel for the work. God didn't leave him without some way of doing the job that he needed to do. He gave him everything that was necessary to be able to share his message with these people. Ezekiel chapter 2 and beginning with verse 8. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Now when I looked, there was a, a hand stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. Then he spread it before me, and there was writing on the inside and on the outside, and written on it were lamentations and mourning and woe. Chapter 3, verse 1. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go, speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that scroll. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. So I ate and it was in my mouth like honey and sweetness. Then he said to me, verse 4, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you are not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, whose words you cannot understand. Surely, had I sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But the house of Israel will not listen to you. Because they will not listen to me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces and your forehead strong against their foreheads. 
like adamant stone, harder than flint. I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. Why would God send a prophet to his people when he tells Ezekiel very plainly, they will not hear you. They will not receive you. Why would God send a prophet to them? Why would God give us preachers today to share His message with a world that overall does not receive Him? Similar to what we read here in Ezekiel chapters 2 and 3, is found elsewhere in Scripture. For instance, Revelation chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. Revelation chapter 10. And let's actually look at verses 8 through 11. won't read the, the entirety of it. Revelation 10, verse 8. Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it. And it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. But as we return our thoughts to Ezekiel, again, we see that he is to literally do the things that he is supposed to say to the people. And for Ezekiel, what was the purpose in eating this book? What was the purpose in what he was doing? I can imagine from his perspective that this was a very memorable experience in regard to his teaching the people, in regard to his prophesying to them, uh, giving them the prophecies that God had given him. It was a very memorable thing. For a prophet that would go to a people that would largely reject him, this would be a great memory that he was to carry God's word to them. A very memorable experience, such as maybe Moses in the burning bush, Amos's locusts, or Jeremiah's boiling cauldron. Memorable experiences. But we understand from these verses that God would give Ezekiel the words that he should speak in a very graphic way. But he would give Ezekiel the words that he needed to speak. He was preparing him for his journey. He was preparing him for service. But he would be well equipped with the message to be delivered from God to his people. Now as we look at Ezekiel, 
And as we look at these chapters, I want us to make application with the rest of our lesson today. As we look at Ezekiel and, and as we look at his call to minister before God's people, his call to share this message with God's people, even though they had been rebellious, even though they had turned away from God, Ezekiel's call to preach to them the message that God wanted him to present to them is very applicable for us today. So the preacher's encouragement. First of all, as we look at the preacher's encouragement, we have to understand who is the preacher. Who is the preacher? You see, the preacher is not simply defined as the one who stands in the pulpit delivering God's message though the Bible does recognize their importance and ability. Look at Romans 10 and verse 14. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 and 12. Ephesians 4 Verses 11 and 12. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Some do serve as evangelists and teachers for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. There's great diversity in our abilities and there's great diversity in how those abilities are used to God's glory. And some will stand in the pulpit. Some will present messages from the pulpit of God's Word to His people. But these are not the only preachers that we're told of in Scripture. When it comes to the message of God... Preachers alone do not bear the burden of responsibility in bringing the message of God to the world. I use preachers loosely because there are others that preach than those that stand in the pulpit. Look with me at Matthew 28 and let's look at verses 18 through 20. Matthew 28 and beginning with verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Who was Jesus speaking to in Matthew 28? When he says that all power and all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And when he commissioned them to go into the world and preach the gospel. There are some that would argue that, that maybe Jesus was just speaking to his twelve. His chosen twelve minus Judas of course. 
But if Jesus is only speaking to his chosen twelve, the message would cease to be spread because they are no longer with us. They are no longer alive. And that wasn't the purpose of God's message. That wasn't the way in which it was to be spread alone. The apostles were only the beginning of the church. They helped to establish the church. They helped to give the teachings that, that we are to follow. But Jesus isn't just speaking to the eleven present with him as we read Matthew chapter 28. But I believe that Jesus is speaking to all Christians. He's not even speaking to just those of us that are willing to stand in the pulpit and proclaim His Word. But He is speaking to all Christians. All Christians of all various walks of life are to carry the gospel message into the world in whatever way they are able. Each of us as Christians bears responsibility in proclaiming His message throughout the world. And that's more than just giving money to those who are willing to go. It's more than just giving money to those of us that stand in the pulpit in various places. All Christians are to be active evangelists. And all bear equal responsibility in the matter. We are all to carry God's message. We can do that in our jobs. We can do it in our schools or, or wherever we may be. But we can carry God's message in various ways. And we are responsible for doing so. I would almost guarantee that you know people that are lost. Don't you? Maybe it's family members. Maybe it's a close friend. But we all know those that are outside of Christ. All those that believe differently than the Bible teaches. All those that practice differently than the Bible teaches. We know those who are lost. And we are responsible for bringing them to Christ. As Ezekiel's calling is powerful to the learning of your pulpit minister, so it is for all Christians called to faithful service. You see, even just as Ezekiel was called to carry God's message to a people that wouldn't hear, well, so are we as Christians. We are to carry God's message into the world, to all the world. Again, in whatever way we can. Let's make application from these chapters. God has equipped us with His Word and sends us into the world with the message of the Gospel. Ezekiel's message was not well received by the majority, as was the case with many of God's prophets, and it may so be the case when we share the Gospel. Many are afraid of, of how they will be treated or how they will be looked at if they try to proclaim the gospel message to those who don't want to hear it. But you're not alone. Because all of us as Christians face the very same. 
And we have examples of those in the Bible, such as Ezekiel, who faced the very same. Ezekiel in a much worse way than, than we ever could in this life. We may be rejected, but so was, was Ezekiel. So was Jesus. And so were many others who have gone before us. God does not call us to success. When it comes to preaching the gospel, God does not call us to be success. We're not going to be judged based on our success rate. You know, I've seen it in, in bulletins. I've seen congregations that, that will keep tally of, of how many people have obeyed the gospel. And that's not what God calls us to. God doesn't call us to success. He doesn't care how many people we bring to Him. He cares that we bring people to Him, but He doesn't keep tally of how many. And we're not going to be judged on how many people we bring to Christ. But what God does call us to is faithfulness. Faithfulness in sharing the gospel message. You may share the gospel message a hundred times and a hundred times be rejected. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Did you know that? In all those years that he was building the ark, Noah was preaching too. I believe that. He was preaching that, that God was going to destroy the world with the flood, and if nothing else, he was preaching by example. But he was preaching. And how many souls did Noah save? When that flood came, when the rains began to fall, there were only eight souls on that boat, and all of them were related to him. Noah would be a failure in the eyes of the world. But he was a success in the eyes of God, not because of how many he saved from the flood, but because of his faithfulness in doing what God told him to do. And that's what God calls us to as preachers. God calls us to faithfulness in sharing the message of God and living it in our own lives. As Ezekiel was warned of the dangers of, and rejection that he would face, so are we. Jesus, in sending out his apostles in Matthew chapter 10, beginning with verse 11, he tells them this. Matthew 10 and verse 11, Now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But be beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. The apostles were going to face rejection, and we will face rejection today. 
But again, God does not call us to success. He calls us to faithfulness. As God prepared Ezekiel for the work, so He prepares us today. We are not promised a life of ease, but difficulty. We will face trial and persecution, but we are to remain faithful to Him throughout, enduring our trials, but realizing that God is always with us. So we're going to face trials, but now, as Christians, we, we no longer face them alone. We have brothers and sisters around us, and we know that God cares for us. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6, For He Himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We must not become discouraged in our mission. We must not become discouraged in our mission. Preachers are not always successful, but we are to remain faithful. We must remember that there is a cross for us to bear. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. Luke 9, beginning with verse 23. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man, will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. What we have gained in this life we count as loss for the cause of Christ. And what we lose for the cause of Christ we will gain so much more in eternity. There is a cross for us to bear. But look not at your cross, but at the reward that awaits you. The Lord called Ezekiel to faithfulness. He called him to preach to a people that again were going to, to, for the most part, reject him, ridicule him, mock him, worse. As the Lord called Ezekiel to faithfulness, so he also calls us to faithfulness in his service. Are you in need? of beginning a life of faithfulness. Maybe you've not obeyed the gospel. Maybe you need to come to Him. Maybe you need to repent, confess your faith in Christ, be baptized for the remission of sins. Maybe you've known it for some time and, and have done nothing about it. God wants you to be faithful. But you have to start somewhere, right? Are you in need of returning 
to a life of faithfulness. Maybe you've obeyed the gospel and maybe you've walked away. Maybe you've wandered away from God. Maybe you need to come back. Faithfulness is difficult. But it is possible. God wants you to be faithful. Do you need help to continue continue your life of faithfulness? Do you need help remaining faithful to Him? Maybe you need prayer. Maybe you just need strength. Maybe you just need a little guidance. We offer the Lord's invitation, so we offer the Lord's invitation to you today. And if you're in need of responding to the Lord's invitation in any way, whether it be through obedience, repentance, or if there's some other need that you have, we give you the opportunity to respond as together we stand and as we sing. Would you live for Jesus?